Welcome back to Global LPG Conversations, Argus's podcast in which we explore developments in the world of LPG. Uh, my name is David Appleton. I'm Vice President at Argus Media. And today we're going to look at a topic we've covered before, which is bio-LPG. And we had a great interview with Matt Scotland, the editor of Argus LPG World at the end of June, where we caught up on basically the state of, of bio-LPG markets and some of the elements of that that, that we've covered in uh, LPG World. And today we have uh, Kristen Miller, who's the principal for our consulting team. And uh, she's going to focus today on the outlook for bio-LPG markets and basically where we think, as it stands, they're going to go over the next five or ten years. So welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so first question, simple one. Why are people excited about bio-LPG? BioLPG offers an opportunity to decarbonize LPG, which is already a fuel with significant carbon and emissions advantages. It's also what they call a drop-in fuel, so it can replace LPG on a like-for-like basis or be blended with conventional LPG to give it sort of a green boost. And that makes it really easy to use. Uh, You can use it you know, you can use all the same storage, distribution, infrastructure, et cetera. And so it's really easy for distributors and end users. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, when we're thinking about what's driving the bio LPG market and what's going to in the coming years, what are you focused on? So it kind of depends on the different sources of supply. And we usually think of three sources of supply. So first, we think about bio-LPG produced from hydroprocessing, things like vegetable oils, other oils, fats, greases. And this is where almost all bio-LPG currently comes from. And that process is undertaken to produce hydrogenated vegetable oil, HVO, and sustainable aviation fuels. And so there has been and continues to be a lot of investments and announcements of further investments in that area. And we can speak about what's driving that. But these plants produce a small amount of bio-LPG as part of the hydro processing. We typically assume about 4%, um, but the range may be more like 3 to 10%. Second, so second source of bio-LPG is bio-LPG from other processes. Here, the others covers a quite wide range of potential feedstocks and processes that can produce bio-LPG. I'd suggest to listeners, if they're interested you know, in those processes, then they should read the bio-LPG white paper that we've got coming out shortly for a nice-looking diagram, which lays out all the options. It definitely warrants a diagram. And then lastly, and this isn't an LPG product, we think about renewable DME, and I know you and Matt talked about that, and we're just increasingly discussing it alongside bio-LPG. And that's because our DME can be blended into LPG or even bio-LPG up to about 20%, and it adds a renewable component into the fuel. And so, you know, if your listeners want a bit more about that, you can listen to the, the sure. podcast you did with Matt. But it's the RDME molecule is really similar to LP, LPG, so they can be blended, as I said, up to about 20% without requiring any extensive changes to distribution, infrastructure, equipment. Okay, so we've got these kind of three different sources of supply. And the reality is, as you, you mentioned, that hydroprocessing is the main route to bio-LPG at the moment. Why is this? So there's broad political support for biofuels, such as biodiesel, sustainable aviation fuel, SAF, which are produced via hydroprocessing, not dissimilar to how a refinery refines crude oil to produce jet, 
gasoline components and diesel primarily with LPG as a byproduct, the hydroprocessor also produces LPG, bio-LPG as a byproduct. And so all these policies you hear about, which support further uptake of things like sustainable aviation fuel, also support bio-LPG. Right, I see. That that makes uh, makes sense. And can you give some examples of those policies and, and which regions are those in? Uh, sure. I mean, there's a ton of interest in this area and there's a lot going on. Our con- consulting team has been doing a lot of work for clients in the wider biofuels space for the last several years. And many countries have policies which support biofuels. But as an example, the EU has proposed that the share of sustainable aviation fuel and the volume of total aviation fuel sold in the EU increase from 2% in 2025 to over 60% in 2050. As part of its recently passed Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S., there's also incentives for SAF production with tax credits and project funding. And the aim there is to get about 9 million tons a year of SAF production by the end of the decade. In Asia as well, there's been a real mix of government policy to increase biofuel use, as well as corporate support, really from the, the region's main airlines. So there's a really there's a lot going on all around the world in terms of this. Sure. Um, but as you said, the hydroprocessing really creates bio-LPG as a byproduct, I guess, much like in the conventional uh, side of LPG, but I guess unlike in the conventional side where we have, in principle, a bit of an oversupply and, and lots of products swishing around the world, that's not the case for bio-LPG right now. So there are there other more direct routes being utilised to kind of make up that gap? Yeah, there's definitely interest in that as well. And there's many potential options for more direct production routes. But at present, there's really only one being utilized to produce more significant volume. So you've got Polish producer Ecobenz, who I know has been sort of covered extensively by Argus elsewhere. They began to produce bio-PG from bioethanol, and they began shipping product in the middle of 2021, so you know, still quite new, and production's still limited. So the bio-LPG is a fraction of their total advanced biofuels production of 22,000 tons tons per year. But it is a step in, in the right direction. And I know, you know, in your conversation with Matt, you mentioned other projects that are probably of interest, such as synthetic LPG that's being developed uh, in Japan. And so I think you know, there is quite a lot going on in that space, even though it isn't quite as well developed as the hydroprocessing route. Sure. And then um, this really comes to kind of why we're talking again today, because you published or we published in from Argus Consulting a white paper on bio-LPG, I think six or 12 months ago it was now, and that included the forecast out for 2034 supply. Sorry, it was in November 21, unless I'm mistaken. And um, we have an, an out, upcoming white paper which basically revises that. So can you tell us what's changed in terms of the, the difference since November? Of course. You know, so forecasting a market which is so young is is certainly tricky. And so we start by looking at what projects are currently operating or are under construction, which are going to supply bio-LPG. And that gives us our historic and our near-term forecast. And at this point, maybe that gets us out to sort of 2023. For this, we really rely on our colleagues, you know, who I've you know, said have been doing so much work in the biofuels market every day. You know, they're really up to date on all the new projects and what's coming online when. And, you know, they're also really helpful for the medium term forecast. So when we think of sort of 
the immediate years after 2023, 2024, 2025. They track all the project announcements, and we know that not all announced projects will get built or not, you know, maybe not necessarily built on the timetable originally imagined. And so we use our judgment to sort of decide which projects to include, when to include them, maybe exclude some of them. And as we've got sort of that, the most insight over the next couple of years, you know, again, sort of out to 2025, we, you know, have sort of what we consider a fairly concrete forecast out to that period. And then we use that period to inform our view slightly farther out. So, you know, out to about 2030. And your growth has been really strong over the last several years between, you know, 10 and 25% per year, you know, sort of that, Slowdown during COVID, you know, seems to be resolved and we had quite strong growth, you know, over 2022 so far. And we do forecast that continue. And that's really based on the wider policy environment, you know, particularly decarbonization agenda, COP26. You know, it convinces us that there are really strong policy drivers and incentives to keep the market developing at a rapid clip. And so our forecast uh, to 2030 has shifted upwards since our last white paper. And we're now forecasting a market size of over 2 million tons of bio-LPG per year by, by 2030. Sorry, But that's just the bio-LPG from the hydro processing route. OK, I see. So, I mean, so the hydro processing route, which, which you've mentioned is a key one. So just to be clear, why do you focus on that? So we've chosen to focus on the hydro processing route for this update as it's, you know, the most established. It's certainly internally and for our clients, you know, we are keeping a close eye on the other routes to bio-LPG and RDME, but we need there be, to be a reason for people to call us up. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And I mean, as this market's moving so fast, I assume we can expect regular updates from uh, from Argus Consulting on this. Yeah, so, you know, we're certainly expecting to keep updates regularly through things like podcasts and white paper. We're planning to cover our DNE in a white paper soon. So this is me making that promise. But subscribers to our LPIG analytics service also get more in-depth updates and their short-term market update reports. It's also covered in both the statistical review of Global LPG, which we do on behalf of the World LPG Association, as well as the European Liquid Gases Statistical Report that we do on behalf of the Liquid Gas Europe. Both of those are coming out in about the next six weeks. So we're definitely looking for ways to get more coverage out there. You know, we really understand it's it's an important topic, one which is rapidly developing. And so we want to make sure that our clients, our listeners, our readers, you know, have access to the most up-to-date uh, information that we can provide. Right. Okay. Uh, and now can I turn the tables on you and ask a question? Um, okay. With some trepidation, I can answer. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. So I know you're involved in the very important question of furthering price transparency for BioLPG. Can you update us on what's happening in terms of developing a robust price? Yeah, sure. So it's quite quite an interesting one. Now, in nascent markets such as BioLPG, um, they don't necessarily function the same way that we would assess something like conventional LPG, for which we have multiple bids, offers and deals every day and exchange listed financial derivatives. So kind of like a, a higher liquidity and a large basis under which we can come up with a price. And something we're saying like BioLPG, which is largely traded under term contracts on under PNC conditions, what we can look at doing is trying to understand the value 
versus other competing fuels, other competing feedstocks. In the case of biopropane or biobutane, the obvious place to start there would be against NAPSA. We do already publish a bio NAPSA price, which launched on the 4th of March this year. So that's been going for a few months. And then potentially the next stage is to to use that price as a basis to to value LPG, because in principle, somebody who is cracking bio NAPSA and values the sustainable or zero carbon element of that will then uh, value it in a similar fashion for propane and butane as well. That bio-naphtha price itself is connected to class 2 HVO, so that's from used cooking oil, and all of those methodologies are available on our website, so you can see how that's done. Now, going forward, it's possible that there will emerge some kind of spot market where we can look at actual deals done, but I think that's probably quite far into the future as it stands, so we'll probably start with something calculated and then go from there going forward so this is something we're all obviously from our side in the the indexation part of argus we're very much focused on uh keeping up with developments with that too so great is that answer your question no that was uh that's excellent and i will definitely be stealing some of that uh, for the white paper great so uh yeah i think that's been uh good to cover the bio side of things today so um, just again to our listeners we looked at some of the project developments with matt scotland eds for lpg world in june so that podcast should still be available on spotify or wherever you get your podcast so so do listen to that as well as he goes into some some of the details and what he's seen so far okay thanks Kristen. thanks Bye-bye. Dan. Thanks.